What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome. Glad to have you here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And guys, today uh, we just wrapped up uh, the first day of joint practices against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, it is Wednesday, August 18th, as I'm recording this uh, at about noon central time. So that's like one o'clock Eastern time. So it literally just got done. Practice just got done. Um, and I want to cover what I heard or what I've read and what I've heard about training camp. I'm going to be using Travis Wingfield's Twitter because in my opinion, Travis Wingfield is the absolute best at giving detailed information. Um, honestly, like there's a lot of guys that tweet the same stuff, right? It's not that he's tweeting different stuff. It's that he gives you like detailed information of the play. Uh, for instance, there's one pass where he talks about the Adam Shaheen touchdown that one of the Adam Shaheen touchdowns that Tua threw to him today. And if you read Travis Wingfield's tweet, it gives you like a really descriptive um, breakdown of the play. And then Omar Kelly put Adam Shaheen with a red zone touchdown. So like, it's not that they're not reporting it. It's just like, I would rather read Travis's because he always gives very detailed information of what's going on. So we'll be uh, going through all of his tweets and then I'm going to kind of just give you my opinion and reaction to all of them. So we'll start out at what happened first. Um, I'm trying to scroll down all the way to the bottom of the first day. Uh, he says, after leaving the Chicago game with an injury, Noah is out, but in a red contact jersey uh, or red non-contact jersey. Uh, so that's, I guess, good to see, um, even though he'll be a backup. Uh, you still want him out there for depth. Uh, Jalen Phillips and Liam Eichenberg are going through individual and fundamental drills. If you see Indy Fundy, that's what that means, Indi individual and fundamental drills. Um, Jalen Waddle one-on-one, leaves another one in the dust. Crowd goes crazy. Uh, they have the highlight of that play. If you go on their Twitter, the Dolphins' Twitter, they have a highlight of that play. Uh, Jalen Waddle, um, from everything I've seen and heard, uh, both tweets and like talking with people connected to the team, like this dude is going to be a problem. And that's why I said like when it comes to preseason, don't look at Jalen Waddle in the preseason and be like, he's not getting a lot of targets. They're not going to use Jalen Waddle like they're going to in the regular season. Uh, preseason is basically just going to be a very, very vanilla offense. And if Jalen Waddle's open, he's open. Um, there were a couple of plays where against the Chicago Bears, I said this, um, Jalen Waddle was like wide open. I think the pass to, it was first and 20. It was the pass that Tua fired into Durham Smythe on first and 20. There, every single player was open on that play. Like if you go rewatch that play, whether it's Game Pass or the highlights on YouTube, go watch that play. Um, it's the pass to Adam Shaheen on first and 20. And Jalen Waddle's running across the field just wide open. So he could have passed to him. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Waddle's going to be an issue. And he has been a very, very impressive player throughout training camp in general, regular and joint practices. Uh, continuing on, Gaskin runs a really nice route with a stutter in the face of the backer and makes the catch. Uh, Kirk Mayer just flew 
emphasis on flu by Fabian Moreau, five plus yards of separation. Byron Jones closes off a deep route from Jawan Green. It's incomplete. Eric Rowe in press is a treat to watch. He just carried his jam for a solid three seconds, and the pass wasn't even close to a completion. Uh, Lynn Bowden with a nice move to create space. Gaskin finds a crease on the first play of team uh, drills and is into the second level. Malcolm Brown is stacked up on the next play. Van Genko closes the backside of a big collision for a run stop. Um, Ahmed greeted by a pair of Falcon defenders immediately upon taking the handoff. And we're going to get into it, guys, with the offensive line in just a second. Hold on. Uh, Gaskin gets a crease between Hunt and Davis for four or five yards. Um, Brissett drives one into Robert Foster for about 15. Um, I'm going to go through some of these. Uh, I'm just picking out which ones I want. Um, let's see. Seven on seven, Gasicki pulled in an Odell Beckham type of catch. Fired from Tua. Um, Nick Needham picks off Felipe Franks in seven on seven. Uh, seven on seven, Jerome Baker had a big shot on a receiver that he could have done, but obviously he didn't uh, because it's practice. Tua with a dime to a wide open Savan Ahmed in seven seven for a long touchdown. So that's one touchdown. I heard he threw one interception today, so he's one for one right now. Even better rep from Tua this time, working through his reads before whipping the ball over the middle to Malcolm Perry, who made a nice catch on the ball. Uh, Cravon LeBlanc picked off Felipe Frank, 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, one-on-one defensive line versus O-line. Grady Jarrett, very, very good guy, uh, player that I talked about, has a wicked rip move on Eichenberg. Next rep, Austin Jackson completely stonewalls a speed rush attempt uh, and... Travis says he didn't see a number. Special teams work. Sanders drops a kickoff in no man's land. Might have been a takeaway in a live period, but nobody's going to dive into a pile, he says, in practice. Uh, Sanders apparently is, like, on another level this year as far as just, like, taking his kicking game, not only field goals but kicking game to the next level. He uh, seems to be on another level this year. Um, Let's see. Team period again, Ahmed runs for a short gain, and then Grady Jarrett is in for another stop. Tua drills one in over the middle to Gasicki, who has a nice catch and run before first contact around 12 or so yards. Um, Let's see. What else? Not the sharpest team period for the Miami offense. The entire unit is now huddled together. Uh, Apparently, Jakeen Grant fumbled the pass. Um... But he also had a couple of good returns. Waddle can't squeeze the first pass of team drills. Um, but I heard he had a really good day. I think he dropped one pass. Uh, let's see. Falcons have been flagged twice for offsides in this period. The other plays have been nice pass protection from Miami. Okay, that's okay to hear. Um Jakeem Grant reaches behind his body for a tough catch on a throw from Brissett. Needham with a pass breakup. Waddle with a diving catch, full extension off the arm of Tua. Ooze and Oz. Tua gets it out to Shaheen for a touchdown. So that's two touchdowns. Um, Justin Coleman, sticky coverage uh, on a pass breakup. 
Uh, double coverage on Shaheen. Tua throws it early, and it's right on the money. You could hear the hit in Shaheen's chest plate, and the ball just stuck. 17-yard touchdown on seven-on-sevens. There's uh, three touchdowns. Uh, Tua tries to throw, and only my man can get it ball to Gesicki, but he can't pull it down. Tua fires a strike to Hollins for a touchdown. He dunks it, and the ref flags him, and the crowd was pissed. Uh, so that's four touchdowns, uh, I believe, four or five. Uh, Xavier Howard breaks up a Matt Ryan pass and nearly grabs the interception. Uh, let's see. Apparently, the Dolphins' defense was clamps pretty much all game. Uh, the the secondary, which is what I said I was originally going to focus on most this practice session before I saw the offensive line. Tua for another Shaheen touchdown um, for like 19, 20 yards. So Tua was apparently just like on fire today, um, given the offensive line, which we'll talk about. Brandon Copeland working on Austin Jackson for sacks. Uh, let's see. Tua fires another pass to Durham Smythe. Should have been a touchdown, but it was dropped. So that would have been like six touchdowns today. Um, let's see. Agba with a nice move, but Ryan gets it out. Uh, Ryan completes the next two as well. The fourth is a bit high, and Javon nearly Javon Holland nearly gets the interception on a diving effort. Javon Holland, man, every single practice, he's either nearly getting an interception or picking something off or a pass breakup. Dude is balling out right now. Um Apparently, Eric Rowe uh, had a, a couple of pass breakups against Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts did um, have probably the better day against Eric Rowe. And this is going to happen, guys. Like, I think what happened is eventually they switched Kyle Pitts or the coverage to like Xavier Howard on Kyle Pitts on some of the stuff. And that's, I think that's going to happen because you saw last year, like Eric Rowe, if he goes against a above average to average tight end, he's amazing with them. The only two tight ends he struggled with last year are Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, and that's every single person in the NFL struggles against them. Aside from that, um, Eric Rowe was just doing Eric Rowe things, and from my indication of what I've read, the Atlanta offense was not like doing much this practice compared to our offense. Two-minute offense now. Tua to Jakeem down the middle for 20. Hurry to the line. Next passing complete for Waddle. Pressure, pressure gets in around the left, but Tua flips it out to Gaskin for a short completion. Um, let's see. And that, and, that, and that was it as far as practice. Now, let me read you some stuff uh, from... Who do I want to read it from? Because we want I want to talk about the offensive line. Uh, Omar Kelly said, Tua is talking to Austin Jackson on the sidelines, and it doesn't look like a pleasant conversation. Tua, better you better demolish Austin Jackson, okay? And I'm going to get into it real quick. Uh, Cameron Wolf said, the Falcons' D-line has been killing the Dolphins' O-line all day. Okay. The offensive line, I talked about this against the Bears. And I always, like, my personality is I always like to be more optimistic than pessimistic. That's just who I am. I don't like to, 
with my football team, with people. I don't like to assume the worst. I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, with the offensive line, my thing was they looked horrible against the Bears, but the Bears, to me, have a top five defensive line, front seven. And I said, if the Dolphins, the Dolphins offensive line should not look bad against the Falcons. The Falcons have one good defensive player. That's Grady Jarrett. They have a couple of other solid guys like Dante Fowler. But their defensive line should not be something that gives the Dolphins that many issues. And it seemed like today after practice, the Falcons defensive line could be the best in the NFL. Because every single play I was reading, and that's one thing that Travis didn't give as much of. He didn't give that much offensive line commentary. If you go read any other beat writer, they said the offensive line today was pitiful. Austin Jackson, again, Y'all know who Tua, okay? First of all, Tua has been much more of a leader this year because it's his team. If your quarterback is having to go up and, and like, yell at you and, like, get that aggressive in a joint practice because you're that bad, like, the Atlanta Falcons defensive line is not amazing. It's average, okay? It's got a good player on it, but mostly some solid players. It's not anything amazing. It's nothing to write home about. It's not bad, but it's not like amazing or great like the Bears. And you would have thought today they're the 1985 Bears, the way they practice against our offensive line. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's pissing me off that like, like I understand the NFL is hard, but also at the same time, it shouldn't be that hard if this is what you've done your whole life. You know what I mean? Like, that's my thing with the offensive line. It's like, I don't expect you to be elite, but if you were drafted and you play in the NFL, I expect you to at least be competent. But they're going out there and they're just getting demolished every single practice. And one, it makes me pissed at the players because it's like, I don't understand how you could be that bad and that incompetent. But it also makes me upset with the front office because, like, it's getting to the point now where if the first two picks in next year's draft aren't offensive line, I don't know what what they're doing. Because I've talked about this so many times, why it's so upsetting, the offensive line, is the fact that, one, it's been an issue for about 15 years. We have, we've had one good offensive line in the last 15 years, and that was 2016. And it made Ryan Tannehill and Adam Gase get to the playoffs, okay? Aside from that, our offensive line has been putrid, and it's, it's embarrassing. It, it really is. It, it's embarrassing that every year the story with the Dolphins is the, their offensive line is an issue. Like, And it's really, here's the thing, it's not hard to fix. Okay, I saw the Chiefs and the Chargers fix their offensive line in one off season. Both teams had less cap money, or at least the the Chiefs did. The Chargers didn't have that much, and both teams fixed their offensive line in one off season. It's really not that hard. I know it may sound like it is, but it's not. And maybe because the Dolphins have had to build their team, they haven't been able to focus on it as much. But like, there's really no excuse next year. There is none. You're going to have a crap ton of money in cap space. The only player you should probably re-sign is Mike Kosicki. Maybe, depending on how he looks. Other than that, you better invest money in your offensive line. I mean, I don't know who's going to be 
available tackle and center wise or guard wise, but you better throw some money at some free agents. And in the draft, your first pick, depending on where it is, better be Evan Neal, left tackle slash right tackle out of Alabama. He, he knows how to play right tackle. They're going to switch him to left tackle this year. But you could bring him in and put him at right tackle. And then you better draft someone like, um, what's his name, Tyler Lindenbaum. Is that what his name is? Tyler Linderbaum, center out of Iowa. He's probably one of the best center prospects to come out in years. Like, those better be your picks. Because I'm telling you all right now, if you have aspirations of the Dolphins going far in the playoffs or even making the playoffs – you might as well throw them out until our offensive line can actually stop someone. But if they can't even stop a nosebleed, then you could you might as well kiss aspirations of the Dolphins being contenders out the window. Most importantly, people like myself, if we have aspirations of Tua becoming a top 10 quarterback, y'all might as well kiss that out kiss it goodbye. Until our offensive line can actually stop something, yeah, he 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 cannot take that next level and our team cannot take that next level and yes I understand like it's not even the regular season this may be an overreaction I don't care like I've never heard of a team's offensive line especially our team's offensive line getting this abused in preseason so this may be one of the worst offensive lines we've ever had seriously I've like I've never like the Atlanta Falcons offensive line is a massive step down from the Bears and they just got manhandled. Our offensive line just got manhandled by them. So it's going to be an issue. And Tua, again, what's going to happen, I'm just letting y'all know, Tua's going to have to go out there and run for his life and worry about where to go or, or, or getting out the football earlier than he should. And he's going to get all the blame for the team. And this narrative that Tua sucks is going to continue. Why? Because you have guys like Austin Jackson that I don't even understand how they're even playing in the NFL right now. It's it's pathetic. It really is. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I understand the NFL is insanely hard to play in. I get that. Okay, I could never play in it. But the fact that you have guys like him where I'm like, I don't even understand how you have a job right now. Um, it's really concerning. I don't know what the hell his issue is. I don't know what someone needs to talk to him about. But I wasn't really seeing many other people like talked about today as far as offensive line. Right? I didn't really see, like obviously, yeah, someone like Grady Jarrett, he's probably going to have success on new guys like Dieter and Eichenberg in the middle. But like you didn't really hear anything about Hunt at all. You didn't hear anything about Jesse Davis that much. You just heard left side. Austin Jackson and Liam Meikenberg. And thank God that's not to his blind side. Because if it was, oh my God, it would be it would be the end if it, if it was. You might as well just call it wraps for the season. Because again, the Atlanta Falcons defensive line is average. You're going to go against much better defensive lines during the season. Much better. I, I went through it yesterday. Go listen to the podcast. I talked about how seven to eight of the games that we play this year are going to be against above to above average to elite defensive lines. Almost half of our games. So they better, they better figure out something. They saw they traded for Greg Little. He was a second round pick in 2019. They traded a seventh round pick for him. He's depth, 
But then again, like based off how our, our offensive line's playing, he might be better than them. So he might be a starter. I don't know. But like this offensive line is a serious issue. And like if this continues, they need to do something. They need to do another trade. They need to sign someone because this cannot be what the situation is heading into the season. Because again, all of y'all, including myself, that think Tua is going to take that leap forward, he's going to be great. You might as well kiss it goodbye if this is the situation. And that's why before the draft, like I was super happy that we took Jalen Waddle. I was. Go back and listen. I was super happy we took him. I wanted a wide receiver. But also, if you go listen, me and smart guy, James, were like two of the only people saying if they took Penny Sewell or I said even Sean Slater, like you're not going to see me be upset. Why? Because our offensive line needs to be fixed. And I got all the hate. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You need to let guys like Austin Jackson develop. You need to do this. Like, now, okay, if Penny Sewell was there at six, and I'm not saying the Dolphins should have taken him, okay? Like, I'm happy with who they took with Jalen Waddell. But again, Tevin Jenkins, I know he got injured with the Bears. He was there, okay? Javon Holland, as much as I like him, like, there were other guys available, offensive line-wise, to take. You could have taken a center. Instead, you decide to take Hunter Long. Okay, you could have taken Quinn Mainers. Who knows how he would how he would have performed? But like there were guys, and you decided not to. And well, here here's where you are. The guy you paid in free agency, even though it was very little money, with Mascara, he's not even starting. Um, and so it's going to be an issue. Okay. Defense, again, I don't have a problem with the defense. The defense is going to be just fine. Probably better than last year. Maybe not as many takeovers or takeaways. Definitely not as many turnovers and takeaways. But they will be overall a better defense. Less yards, just a more well-rounded team. The special teams will be better than last year. Jason Sanders, Michael Pilardi is a better punter. They have phenomenal returners and coverage uh, players. Gunners, I'm not worried about that. Offensively, as far as talent, like y'all are worried about Devontae Parker or Will Fuller being injured. I'm not because, again, they could, two is going out there and he's lighting it up with backups and third string guys. So when they come in, I'm fine. Like I know two and them will be fine. Devontae Parker and him worked in the offseason. I don't want him to practice in preseason. Are you kidding me? That guy? who if he looks at something the wrong way, he'll get injured. No, I don't want him practicing or playing. Him and Tua have enough chemistry, they'll be fine. Mike Kosicki and Jalen Waddle, they're practicing. Will Fuller won't be back till week two, which is like a month away, okay? So I'm fine with that. The running backs, again, I hate to say I'm right, but when everyone was saying we need to take a running back, we need to take a running back, and I said, no, we don't. Could you imagine if we wasted a high pick on Najee Harris or Javante Williams and they were having to deal with this, where every other run, by the time the ball's in their hands, there's already a defender waiting for them? Could you imagine if we wasted a pick? And that's why. And all of you are like, how come the Dolphins didn't take a running back? That's why. 
because if your offensive line isn't ready, you're going to waste a prime year of a running back in their first contract, their rookie contract, because your offensive line is incapable of doing anything. So next year, again, if it, this should be a foreshadow of things to come. I, I wish it wasn't, but if they're struggling already and you're going against an Atlanta Falcons D-line that's like not even really that good, like if I were the Dolphins, simply, I would start my offensive line the rest of preseason. I want to see how they perform against the, the Bengals. Like I want to see the Dolphins defensive line get as many reps as possible. So if I were them, I would start the offensive line. If it were me, I would start the offensive line the whole game against the Falcons. I don't care if it's starters, backups, put them in there. That's what you get. If you suck that much in practice, then I know it's a preseason game and you don't want to play as much. Tough luck. That's what you get, okay? It's as simple as that. You want to suck in practice? You want to, you know play to the performance and the level that you've been playing at in practice, well, now you're going to play all preseason game. Have fun. While the other starters are sitting down eating, you know, like Zeke Elliott on hard knocks, if they're eating little sunflower seeds on the sideline, joking around, your ass is going to be out there going full speed against backups and third string. So that's what I would do. Again, if, if it's an, unless it's Robert Hunt or maybe Jesse Davis, I would have all starters out there the whole entire game, both games, against the Bengals and and the Falcons. So it's upsetting, man. I mean, there's not really much to talk about with practice. I wanted to tell you guys, again, what people were tweeting, um, like like especially Travis Wingfield is who I listen to. Uh, but the, the main thing I got away, again, Tua, yeah, like – to, uh, okay, I'm I'm reading something Omar Kelly just posted. Tua said that Tua said the conversation with Austin Jackson was a conversation about what Jackson was seeing and facing, and what Tua is seeing and facing because O linemen usually can't see outside of their one on one battle. Folks, Tua is a leader. That's his line. He takes ownership. And so that conversation with Austin Jackson again, you you. You know how Brian Flores won't tell the media who the offensive coordinator calling plays is, which, a.k.a., it's George Gotze. Um, But, like, if, and I'm just letting you all know that, like, that that it's George Gotze's dropping, is calling the plays. Um, but, like, you know how Brian Flores will take responsibility. He knows who's at fault if things go wrong play calling wise, but he's going to take the blame. Regardless, that's how a coach is. The coach always will take the blame for coaching hires. Doesn't matter if that coach sucked. Doesn't matter. You hired him, it's your fault. So that's what Brian Flores is doing. Two is the same way. Two is offensive line sucked last year. Two is wide receivers were trashed last year. Worse in the NFL in, in separation. Who took the blame for it? Tua. That's what a quarterback does. Quarterbacks take the blame and they have to give credit even what like if Tua goes out there and balls out, he has to give credit to his O line and wide receiver, saying it was all them, not him. And if he goes out there and sucks because his offensive line and wide receivers are trash, like last year, he has to take all the blame and have clowns like Colin Coward and and Skip and all of them trashing him because he took the blame for it. For guys like Chan Gailey and the offensive line, 
So he has to go out there and make some BS excuse he didn't know the playbook, which, again, completely false. Again, I've talked with people, people that that have informed me on every decision the Dolphins have been making, draft decisions I knew who was going to get picked beforehand, and they said, like, that was a complete lie. Like, that, that, like he knew the playbook. Chan Gailey didn't want to give him the playbook because he was a rookie and he didn't trust him. So they knew he was injured. They weren't going to put him out there with this complex offense. So they gave him the simple offense and he went out there and took the blame and said, I didn't know the offense that well. Complete lie. Okay, Tua is an extremely smart player and he knew the offense. So, like, that's who Tua is. And so, in regards to the offensive line, you know, Tua's going to get blamed. Like, like it's the same thing. Tua's going to get blamed if they succeed or or if they don't succeed. And he's going to give them credit if he does succeed. So, like, Tua's going to go up to Austin Jackson and ream his ass. Because guess what? If you look like trash out there, I'm going to take the blame for it. So you better not, because I'm not trying to go out there and look like trash and make this team not be as good as they can be. This is my offensive line. This is my team now. And he went up to Austin Jackson and was probably like, you better get your you-know-what together. Because I swear to God, if we go out there in the regular season and you're pulling this stuff up, you're going to be out. It's as simple as that. You won't be playing. And I love that. I love that from my quarterback. Like, I don't care if he's in his second year. I think all quarterbacks should have that. Because, again, all coaches, I say this all the time, coaches and quarterbacks should be allowed to do whatever the hell they want because at the end of the day, they take the blame no matter what. Like, Brian Flores, go ahead and hire five offensive coordinators because guess what? Even if you had one or five, if it doesn't work, you're going to look like an idiot because you hired them, whether it's your fault or not. Chan Gailey was not Brian Flores' fault, but he hired him. So that's why I'm like, do whatever you want. If Tua wants to go out there and yell at people, if Tua wants to be a leader, if Tua wants to throw to certain people and not others, do whatever the hell you want. Because guess what? When things go wrong, you're going to be the one to blame. Not that he deserves it. Not that Coach Flo deserves it, but that's just the reality of the NFL. So like, this offensive line better get their crap together because I'm not... Again, I won't be a happy camper. Again, I'm usually very positive. As you guys know, I'm always positive and I will remain positive. But I really needed to to stress how pissed off the offensive line makes me because, again, I care about this team as do you listening. And, you know, it, it sucks seeing my team year after year not have a good offensive line and having a quarterback who I believe in as much as I do with Tua having to know that he's probably going to have to go out there and have the risk of getting injured every game because his offensive line can't stop a nosebleed. It's upsetting to me. It really is. It pisses me off. But at the end of the day, you just got to trust that things can get slightly better um, and that they can make it work. That's their job. They better. Um, But yeah, it's definitely going to be rough. Again, I talked about it before practice yesterday. I said, I don't anticipate the offensive line being as much of a problem because, again, the Atlanta Falcons' offense or defensive line is average. It's not bad, right? It's good, but it's not like amazing. It's average. 
It's pretty good. And the fact that you're getting demolished by that leads me to believe that the only defensive lines you would do well against are like bottom 10, which means you're probably a bottom 10 offensive line. Um, just upsetting. Again, I think the world of this team and how Brian Flores and Chris Greer have made it, if it weren't for the offensive line, we would be ready to compete. Again, because I, I, my, my worry is not with Tua. We're talented everywhere. Uh, offense, defense, special teams. It's just the offensive line. So we'll see. Anyway, tomorrow is joint practice number two for the Miami Dolphins. We'll have off on Friday and then Saturday uh, night. We will be playing the Atlanta Falcons for what I expect to be the dress rehearsal. You'll see the starters out there for a good amount of the game. So I'll see you tomorrow here on the Finn Sports Football Podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Finn's up. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.